us. I'll begin reading in verse 1, which deals with the weekly collection, but then the heart of what I want to say will fall from verse 5 through verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now here is the heart of the message this morning, beginning in verse 5. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus unto Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. And as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. You noticed in this passage that Paul mentions the work of the Lord. He mentions it in verse number 10 in reference to his servant, God's servant, Timothy, that would follow the apostle when the apostle was gone. He mentioned Timothy that he worketh the work of the Lord. And Paul said it's the same work that I do also. The word work is the Greek word ergon. It means effort and toil and labor. There is effort and toil and labor in the great work of the Lord. I read in the opening scripture from the book of Nehemiah, who was God's servant in the Old Testament, who himself was a part of the great work of God. His was to rebuild the walls that had been torn down because of sin and disobedience in the city of Jerusalem. What a great worker Nehemiah was, and what a great leader Nehemiah was. In fact, the Bible that you have this morning is a book that tells about the great work of God. The great work of God in the beginning, before there was anything. The work of God upon this earth, in the midst of all of the opposition and adversity that comes against it. The work of God in sinners, in saving sinners like you and I, uh, through His marvelous grace. The work of God in perfecting us and making us like His Son. And the work of God that will ultimately one day be finished. There was also that great work that God sent His Son here to do. And we know that Christ on the cross made that great statement that the work was done when He said it is finished. He secured for us a great salvation. But every local church, just like our local church, has a great work to do for God. And that work is primarily, and the central focus of that work is to share the gospel and present the gospel to a lost 
and a dying world, to tell sinners here and there and everywhere uh, of God's great salvation. So we're a part this morning of the work of the Lord. I don't need to remind us, really I shouldn't have to, but I, I think I ought to remind us this morning because we all somehow over a period of time tend to think of what we do as our work. But this is not our work, this is the work of the Lord. It belongs to Him. It is because of Him that we are here. It is because of Him that this work goes forward. If you look back at verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, it kind of sets the table for what Paul is about to say. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you see the goodness there? Do you see the encouragement uh, there that God has said in that verse, what Paul was saying to the Corinthians, God is saying to us. He's saying to the brethren, be steadfast and unmovable. He said to always be abounding or always be overflowing or always be in large measure when it comes to the work pertaining to God because He promises us that our labor our labor in verse number 58 of chapter 15, your labor is not in vain, meaning your labor is not useless, your labor is not empty when that labor is done in the Lord. Sometimes we look around at what we think ought to be fruitfulness now, we look around at what we think ought to have success attached to it now, and we we tend to do a number on our own spirit and, and we, we say, well, it's not working. Well, here's the great promise of God. When we are working the work of the Lord and laboring for Him, thank God that labor is not in vain. It is not useless. There will be fruit there somehow, some way to the glory and the honor of God. Paul tells us there in that verse that the work of the Lord, our labor, he said, is not in vain. The work of the Lord is associated with labor. Two different words, the word work and the word labor. The word labor means intense grief and sorrow. It means that often while you're doing the, the task or you're doing the effort, you're doing the manual work, you are actually working, you're sweating, you're investing in the things for God, that there will with that come grief oftentimes and sorrow. I have no clue what a year will bring, but right now, this morning, in this very moment, in this very hour in which we are gathered together, I do understand that we are not living in glory. There is no gold streets beneath my feet. There is, there is carpet and sheetrock and cement beneath your feet. We are not yet living in glory. In this very moment, we are living in a world, a world that is real, a world that is full of sin and opposition and a world that stands in total rejection to the glorious news of Jesus Christ. We live in the here and now. We live in the day-to-day -day realities of a lost and a fallen world. But we also live in that day with the promise that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. God is gracious. And one thing that I know has already happened in this new year is that according to the book of Lamentations, there were new mercies today when we got up because the Word of God promised there would be new mercies every day for God's children. So our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Servant of God, uh, be not discouraged. Child of God, be not dismayed. Your labor is not useless. Your labor is not void. 
and your labor is not empty in the Lord. All of what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 16, I think, kind of goes back to what he said earlier in this letter. In chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, listen as I read what he wrote earlier. He said, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And so with Paul saying that to them at the first of this letter, that their work is going to be tried at the judgment seat of Christ, and the quality and the content of what they've done will be put to the test. We want to build and work on a good foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. That's why every church, this church, every local church, everything they do should be based entirely upon the Word of God. The Word of God, if it is the basis of everything we do, then we shall not suffer loss when we stand before the Lord. There are several very practical and simple truths that I want, to, want us to look at in this text this morning to help us see just what it is to be a part of the work of God. What is the work of God? Some people think the work of God has to be something that is really amazing. Some people think that they are exempt from the work of God, that God only does His work through very special, talented, gifted uh, people that are in the family of God. Certainly we are all gifted differently, and God uses people differently in different varieties of His work. But the work of the Lord is simply that. It's the work of the Lord. It may be just a very simple ministry. It may be a one-on-one -on -one situation. It may be that dad and mom who raises the family and the children and the fear and admonition of the Lord. But it's all the work of God. It may be a pastor who pastors hundreds or thousands. It may be that pastor who's sitting this morning in a living room somewhere uh, on a field where there's no local church and with two or three lost people, he's opening the Scriptures and beginning with God and how God created the heavens and the earth. It's all the work of the Lord. But Paul tells the Corinthians several important truths about the work of the Lord and what it means to be a part of that work. And I think what he said to them says much to us this morning. Look again with me at verse number 5. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. You look at that verse and you say, well, okay, there's Paul's travel plans. That's basically all that he says, and you would be right. But there's more there than that. The Apostle Paul is telling us one vital element, the first vital element of the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord always includes intentions, and the work of the Lord always includes plans. And Paul says both in verse number 5. Now I will come unto you. That's his intentions. When I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, there are his plans. If you look at verse number 8, his plans are to stay at Ephesus 
until Pentecost. He was at Ephesus when he wrote this letter, but he planned to come to Corinth because he saw needs and opportunities. There is more to the work of the Lord than God's people just coming and sitting and like we used to say, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. There's more to the work of the Lord than just sitting there waiting on something to develop. Every child of God ought to have plans to live for Christ. Every child of God ought to intentionally plan to live for Christ, to fulfill the ministry and the work that God would have you to do. I'm sure this morning, I'm sure because I know this to be a fact, as well as other preachers who are here in the congregation this morning, there are many men who never study the Word of God, they never really dig into a text, and come before their people every Lord's Day, and they open their Bible, and wherever it opens to, that's where they take a shot at it. And they go, and uh, they think that's the way the Spirit of God leads. The Spirit of God does not lead in that way. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul had plans. Paul had intentions. Notice in verse 5, twice he uses the words, pass through. That speaks of intentional planning. You would never go to the apostle and say, Hey, Paul, what are you going to do? And Paul would never have looked back at you and said, I don't know, I'm just going to play it by ear and kindly, uh, you know, lick my finger and stick it up, see which way the winds are blowing, and I'll just kindly go whichever way I... You never hear that kind of language from the Apostle Paul. He was very purposeful, very intentional in what he was seeking to do. That's the way worship ought to be. That's the way the church ministries ought to be. It ought to be very intentional and very planned. I've heard people say you can plan the Holy Ghost right out of a service. I've never been a part of that. I, I, just, don't, I just don't relate to that kind of thinking. Brother, the Holy Spirit leads and guides. And when we plan our lives and intentionally follow God's will, you're going to be in line with the ministry of the Holy Spirit and He'll bless you and guide you into that. Parents need a plan. Families need a plan. Parents, dads, do you have a plan to lead your family? Families, do you have a plan in raising your children for the glory of God? Individual person, do you have a plan? What are you intentionally uh, planning to do for Christ and the glory of God in this coming year? Well, I'm just going to sit around for eight months and see, see what happens. I'll tell you what will happen. Nothing. Nothing will happen when God took Nehemiah and brought him back and let him see those broken walls. And when Nehemiah saw those broken walls, thank God he had a plan. And he went to the king and told him about that plan. When God wanted to save this earth and, uh, and souls on it from flood, the flood and judgment, God had a plan, and that plan was for Noah to build an ark. When God wanted a temple, He had a plan, and that plan was handed to Solomon. When God wanted a tabernacle, He had a plan, and that plan was handed down to Moses and the Levites, and everything was done according to God's plan. Whenever God wanted to save the world, He had a plan before the foundation of the world. Christ came and fulfilled that plan and brought about the great work of God to completion. All of God's people who are involved in the work of the Lord ought to be intentional about what we are doing and follow the will of God. 
Paul has all these plans. This was his, this was his nature. Listen to Romans 15, 24 and 25. He said, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, listen to this, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way by you. If first I be somewhat filled with your company, but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. You can read in Paul's writings, you read verses like that over and over and over again. Paul said, I plan to come, I want to do this, I want to see you, I may be able to do this and may be able to do that. What is it that you really want to do in the days ahead? Do you have a plan about what you're going to do for the glory and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ? So the first mark, the first mark of the work of the Lord is it always includes intentional planning. It always does. I hope that after much prayer and guidance, the things that I began to preach about and bring before this church last August, I hope you understand that that's not something that I was just sitting around one day and said, well, hey, we don't have anything else to do. Why don't we do this? I hope you believe that that is the plans of God. That's what we want to do. That's where we're moving in that direction. And it takes work. It takes labor. And it will, it will cause us to have to labor. Look within ourselves. Look at where we stand with God to be able to accomplish all of that. But after all, this is again is not our work. It's the work of the Lord. But notice in verse 6, not only does the work of the Lord involve intentionality and plans, but it involves possibility of change of plans. Look at these first four words. And it may be. That's possibility. Now, I'm not throwing verse 5 out the window. I want you to see that in the work of God, these two go together. Paul is very intentional in verse 5. I will come unto you. When I pass through Macedonia, for I will pass through Macedonia, and there's no reason I can't come when I pass through Macedonia. Now, he says, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you. I guarantee you, if somebody called you today and said, I'm coming to see you this evening, you say, well, come on. And you said, yeah, and I'm bringing my stuff, too. I'm going to stay with you the rest of the winter. I guarantee you'd know what that meant then, wouldn't you? And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, uh, there's, there's a possibility that I may winter with you, that I may just stay there with you when I come. That's the glorious thing about the work of God. It involves intentionality, intentions, and it also involves possibility. Certain things may or may not unfold exactly like we think they should. Paul said it may be. He's accepting the reality of possibility. Is that a contradiction, preacher, to verse 5? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I think I appreciate Paul more for what he says in verse 6 than what he said in verse 5. I have had plans before. I have had plans that I prayed over. I have had plans that I fasted over. I have had plans that I sat down with the men that I thought were the wisest and closest to God and shared my burden with and they prayed for months about it and then met with me and said, Preacher, I think that you're on the right track. I have been there and all of that looked right and it changed in a matter of minutes. There's always possibility in the work of the Lord. And I appreciate Paul for verse number 6. As well as we pray about things, as well as we go before God with things, sometimes things change in life. And that's a part of the work of, the, of God as well. Years ago, I read a story 
And I think it, it was in one of, one of Max Lucada's early books. I don't remember if it was in Six Hours One Friday or, or it was one of his early books. This illustration is in the front of one of those books. But I read this story of residents in Florida preparing for hurricane winds and rising tides. And he tells in the book about a resident there in Florida, a man who had lived there most of his life. He had went down to secure his vessel as well. And maybe he was in his 50s or 60s, I don't remember. But there was a young couple there that was securing, trying to secure their boat. And when the older gentleman got down there, he looked over, and they had a rope coming out the front right, the back right, the left, the back left, and the front left. And they had tied it down, and the ropes were so tight, the boat was barely touching the water. And the older gentleman said to them, Is this your first storm? To which they replied, Yes. And he said, Well, let me tell you this. As well as your plans are, you better give some slack in the rope for the rising of the tide and the blowing of the wind. Else when it does, your vessel will tear in a hundred pieces. They said, what are you talking about? He said, leave slack. Always leave a little slack in the ropes so the thing can move to the left, to the right, or up or down. That is wise counsel. Can I say to you this morning, always leave a little slack for the providence of God. Always leave a little slack for the possibilities of God saying this in opposition to this. There is no question in my mind, when God sent Philip down there to Samaria, uh, there's where the move of God was in the book of Acts. There was revival there. There was, there, as we call revival, there was a great a great believing of God there. And right in the middle of all of that, God speaks to His servant and says, I want you to leave all of this successful stuff. And I want you to go to the middle of a desert where I'm bringing a one man, an Ethiopian eunuch, who's riding in a chariot with the prophecy of Isaiah open and he don't understand what he's reading. I want you to leave this great meeting and I want you to go south to that desert and get up in the chariot with him. And by the way, when you step up in the chariot, he will be reading where Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter and he won't understand it and I want you to tell him about me. That's leaving slack for the providence of God. Yes, the work of the Lord is very intentional with a church, with a family, with individuals. We ought to know what we're doing, where we're going, how we plan to get there, and when we hope to be there. But at the same time, don't ever forget, living for Christ involves, it may be, it involves possibilities. When it comes to intentions and plans, make them. Don't be lazy, make them. But when you make them, leave enough slack for God. Proverbs 19, 21, there are many devices. That word means plans. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. I don't have the experience that a lot of others have in this part of the work of the Lord. But I've been there enough to know, thank God this is right. It may be God will do something different. Matter of fact, notice in our text in verse 7, Paul said, For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you 
I love this, if the Lord permit. Sounds like what James said, didn't it? When James said, Lord willing, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or we'll do that. We must make plans, preparations, and we must announce our intentions. I've heard people say about preachers or missionaries, they said they were going to do this and they didn't do this. They shouldn't have announced it. Paul announced his, didn't he? He announced it, didn't he? But then he said it may be that it don't work out like that. He's, you say, well, he's just covering himself. No, he knows what it is to be a part of the work of God. For sometimes when you're doing something that you intended to do, God sees and God knows and the providence of God leads us to do something greater and something larger in the sight of God. This is the Lord's work. So that means he's free to move me, keep me, Show me, not show me. He's free to do whatever He wants to do with me. This is, his, this is His work. There's a good example of this in Acts 16, 6-10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Persia and Galatia. Then listen to this. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the Word in the providence of Asia. The Spirit of God said, don't preach here. You go there to preach and He says, don't preach there. The Holy Spirit said, no, don't preach in the providence of Asia. Then they move on and try to enter Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus would not let them go there. So they pass on down to Troas, and the Holy Spirit said, no again. But it's in those two no's that during the night, Paul has the Macedonian vision, and God leads him there, and God takes him there. That's the work of God. So that's going to happen in the lives of people. Say, preacher, I'm not interested in any of that. I just come to Sunday preaching. That's all I'm interested in. Well, if you're interested in doing the work of the Lord, this is what it is. It's intentional planning, and it's also living with the possibility that God may do differently. And He's sovereign, and He has the right to do whatever He wants to do. And He does whatsoever He chooses to do. But people who live for Christ, they're going to move out. And sometimes they're going to get stopped. Sometimes they're going to get redirected. And that's what happened to Paul and Silas. That's what happened to other missionaries in the course of life. It happens to people still today. And then sometimes, as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Satan hinders us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit directs our lives. And sometimes it is Satan. And usually when that happens, uh, you get a phone call, or I get a phone call, and they say, well, preacher, this, this person was going to do this. And now they're doing this. Was that the Holy Spirit or was that the devil? And I, my answer is, I have no clue. And they say, well, how do you figure out which one it is? I said, I have no clue. And they say, well, what are you going to do? Do you figure out what it is? I have no clue. I really don't. I'm, I don't know anywhere that's explained in the Word of God. If God chooses, He can tell us that when we get to heaven. But if He don't, we may never know. As a matter of fact, why do we need to? He's in control of all of it. I don't need to know about all of that. I just need to make my plans based on the Word of God as I am led by the Spirit of God. And while I do that and pursue that, understand that in the midst of that, at the beginning of it, in the middle of it, at the end of it, and everywhere else in between, God has the sovereign right he can do whatever He wants to do to cause me to do something else, lead me some other direction, or help me to stay exactly where I am until I see Him face to face. That's Him. That's the great work of God. Just remember, our best plans, those plans you pray over, 
Those plans you thought about, those plans you thought out, those things you discussed, reviewed, those biblically-based plans you have that your brothers and sisters in Christ agreed with you about, they are just that. They are intentions and plans, and sometimes God says, that's it, go with it, and other times He redirects us for His glory. All of our our church covenant, our church membership statement, our statement of faith, our constitution and bylaws, all of that stuff, when all of that's done, we as a church will present that to God and we will present that to Him as the work of our hands following His will and anything that's not glorifying to Him should be avoided and everything that is should be adopted. And if you remember on that great scene at Mount Carmel. Do you remember what Elijah did on Mount Carmel? He'd done all the things the prophets of Baal did, all of their stuff and did all of this and that. You remember when, when Elijah got ready, he said, pour 12 barrels of water over the whole mess. And if God can light that, it's of God. This is not about us. This is about Him. It's His work. We're a part of it. We do, our, we do our planning. We make our intentions announce them. We make them knowable. We make them understandable. With the understanding that it may be that He will direct us differently in different ways. I hope you're open to that as a church family. I am. I, I hope we're open to that. Let me mention quickly verse 9, adversity. When great doors and effectual doors open, that's opportunity, there are going to be many adversaries. And while I've already mentioned Satan can hinder the work of God, adversaries are anything and everything that is opposed to Christ and the gospel. Sometimes adversaries come from without the church. Sometimes adversaries come from within the church. And if you notice in the book of Acts and in the early centuries of the church, they had more Adver adverse adversity and adversaries from within the church. But yet the work of the Lord goes on. I love what Paul told the Philippian church in chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Paul said, everything that's happened to me has happened for the furtherance of the gospel. It's happened so the gospel can get out. Paul was a threat to Satan's kingdom. Satan didn't like him. And I hope we can be a threat to the kingdom of God here at West Lenore. Truly, being a part of the Lord's work will require you to suffer adversity. When I talk about suffering adversity, I'm not talking about high gas prices and the bad economy. I'm talking about those who oppose the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ. I want to close with verse 10 and 11. It speaks very, very clearly to our church family this morning. He, listen to what he says. Now, if Timothy come. See that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Now without spending a lot of time, you remember the church at Corinth was in a spiritual mess. You read the early chapters, they had a four-way split right at the very beginning. Some was of Apollos, some of Cephas, some of Paul, and some of Christ. That church had a four way split at the very beginning. Now Paul is saying to them, if I send Timothy 
Now, we've just finished over the past year preaching through First and Second Timothy. And you, you ought to know without me spending any time the type of man Timothy was. Timothy. Timothy carried the Bible with him and also a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. He was a very nervous, upset young man, oft infirmities. Can you imagine with all the problems at Corinth, if they had dealt with Paul, who is bold as a lion, can you imagine what they might have done with this young preacher, Timothy? Not only do we need to have intentional planning, and I also understand the possibility of those plans being changed, and also understand that there's going to be adversity, but understand that the work of the Lord requires a God-given unity. Do you hear what Paul is saying here? Whether I come to you or the young preacher come to you, I want you to understand in verse 10, he and I both are working the work of the Lord. I've pastored three churches. Two of the three that I pastored, I pastored men who had been there over three and four decades. I think I can relate just a little bit to what's being said here. Not to this degree. But that's why Paul told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. What he's saying is, Corinth, there's going to be some other spiritual leadership sent your way. Make sure you understand they're doing the work of the Lord just as much as I am. And I want this church this morning to understand that. Because in the months and years ahead, you're going to see some young leadership. You're going to see, young, you're going to see God raise up young leadership. I mentioned this a while ago in the announcement. You're, you're getting a prefigure of that just right here in front of you at the piano. You're getting that. Preacher, that's getting personal. I ain't preaching nobody but us, so that's who we are, right? And this is going to happen in other areas. I'm thankful for how I was accepted in my former pastorate, following a man of three or four decades, and following a man of three or four decades here. I appreciate the same here. There's going to be a day when you're going to have to do that again, not just at a piano or an organ or a pulpit, or whatever, a Sunday school class, or whatever. You're going to have to do it in every aspect of church life. The work of the Lord, that's a part of the work of the Lord. Servants come, servants go, servants live, servants die. Servants preach, servants get where they can't think and can no longer preach. Servants serve, and then they're done. And what does God do in His grace? Raise up others to carry on what? The work of the Lord. No one will come here to carry on my work, God forbid. But someone will be here in the future to carry on the work of the Lord. Because that's what this is about. And what a tender word Paul says. Can you imagine what this must have done for Timothy's courage and what it would do for the church at Corinth if they would accept it? He said, he's going to be with you. And don't you make it where when he rises up to do what I sent him to do, that he has to have fear or be anxious about this. For he's doing the work of the Lord. Don't despise him, in verse 11, but conduct him forth in peace that he may come unto thee. For I look for him with the brethren. I love that side of the Apostle Paul. He says there's a day when Paul's ministry will be over. And he said, and this young man's going to come and he's going to minister. And he said, you let him minister like God sends him. 
Blessed is a church that understands that lesson. Blessed is any ministry that understands that lesson. Blessed is any people that understands that lesson. Blessed is the family. Blessed is the dad who understands that someday he's going to look at that young man that he has, been, uh, he has been directing and disciplining and raising up, and he's going to look at him, and he's going to be a young man of his own and know that the work of the Lord can still go on for His glory and for His honor. Some people have a hard time following anyone but their favorite pastor. They have a hard time following any preacher but their favorite preacher. Some people have a hard time listening to any singers other than their singers, any Sunday school teacher other than their favorite teacher. Such was the case with Timothy. These Corinthians had a hard enough time accepting Paul, and Paul said, the young preacher's coming, and don't you make it hard on him. You make it easy for him to do the Lord's work. Church, are we willing to accept new leadership? Are you willing to submit to those the Lord are raising up? Paul said that, and may we learn that this day. The Lord's work must be done. Preacher, are you getting ready to leave? Yeah, in just a few minutes and go home. But Lord willing, I'll be back. I'll be back. A church ought to be willing long before it happens. We ought to all be that way for His glory and honor. Let me close this morning. The Lord's work must be done the Lord's way. These are just some simple thoughts out of this text that I hope you will take and don't not forget. We need to be flexible and realize that the plans may change. Plans may be interrupted. Plans may be hindered. But let me remind you, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There is always that possibility, it may be, that God does something differently. Rest assured, whatever we do is going to face adversity. It's not going to be easy. But if we're united and are willing to accept the leadership God has, I just, I just always believe God has leadership for His people because that's the way He designed it. There's just always someone there. Sheep need a shepherd, don't they? And God always has that. Uh, students need a teacher, and God always has that. And... We need to be in unity. But I want to remind you as we leave this morning, the main work God is doing is in saving lost people. And while everyone in here doesn't preach, and everyone in here doesn't teach, and everyone in here doesn't sing, and everyone in here uh, do not give great amounts of offering, and everybody in here does not have talents or gifts or ability, everyone don't go to mission fields, everyone don't do all of these things, every one of us leaves here today as a disciple of Christ if we're truly saved by God's grace and we're to go out and tell the world about Jesus. So what about you? It would be wrong for me to close this morning and assume that all of you looking and listening at me this morning are truly saved. I want to ask you, have you repented of unbelief? Have you called upon the name of the Lord for salvation? That's the greatest work of God that there is, is God sent His Son that you might be saved. So before you can be a part of the work of God, you have to accept and believe the great work of God, and that is that God sent His Son. And John 6, says, No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. If He's drawing you this morning, call upon Him for saving grace. Ask Him to do a work in your heart. We're going to have a word of prayer before we go this morning. I appreciate your attention to the Word of God. 
May God help us as a church family this year. May God help us to be about the Father's business, to do the great work of God. And understand this, everything presented to the church this coming year as the work of the Lord will be presented intentionally. It will have been planned and the best we've done follow the will of God. But also remember, it may be that once it comes, we may say, let's look at this in a different light. Let's examine this. Let's be patient here. Let's move forward. Let's hold back a moment. Let's do this or let's do that. That's the way the word of that's the way God's work does. And when it does, then he gets all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And I got good news. These Corinthians who believed, thank God they made it. The Apostle Paul made it. Timothy's ministry was a success. Timothy's ministry brought glory to God. Every, every geographic location that needed to be touched and needed to be dealt with as in the plans and the knowledge of God, all of that came about as God would have it. And so it will be in this day if we just continue in the work of the Lord. As we pray this morning, maybe you should ask God, Lord, what would you have me to do in this work here at West Lenore? What, would, what do you want me to do in this work of the Lord here at this church? Whatever it is, Lord, you guide me and help me to do it for your honor and glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this privilege we have this morning to be assembled together. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word, God, that's spoken to us very plainly. And Lord, I pray that you would help me and help every member of this church, all the leadership, Lord, every one of us, from the oldest to the youngest. I pray that you would help us to be sensitive this morning to your plans and your will that's laid out clearly in your word. Help us to follow those as best we know how. And help us to be men and women of faith and announce as best we know according to your will, if you permit it, what we plan to do. But then help us to live, Father, with enough slackness in the ropes that we allow for the providence of God. And that we not be overwhelmed when things don't work exactly like we think they should. I pray, Father, you would help us to be in unity about the changes that you're bringing and going to bring in the days and months and years ahead. Lord, we pray you would help us to be praying about that even now and help us, Lord, to be open to whatever you want to do and to whoever you want to work through to do it, whether they be within our church or those you bring in from other places. We pray for those listening this morning that are unsaved. I ask you, Father, to open their heart. May they see their unbelief, repent of that, and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And again, I ask you to add to this church daily such as should be saved. And as we leave this morning, Father, help us to understand we are not the only church in Caldwell County that's doing the work of the Lord. Lord, you have many believers in this place, and we thank you for it. Bless and guide each true church and every true pastor and every true congregation. Bless them and help them in the days to come to carry out the Great Commission. Be faithful to you and worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for it. Now have your way in every heart. And may you be glorified in all we do. Thank you again for a new year and a new day. May we live it to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.